Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome right. to New York. Oh. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add and you can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo codes THPN, TBPN, or TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's codes THPN, TBPN, or TPPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Devils fans, it is the week of training camp. Yes, hockey is finally back. I know obviously we've been watching the Prospects Challenge and I got to say straight up really quickly that Alexander Holtz is doing everything that we thought he was going to do, and he is really, really cooking with gas, and I cannot wait for him to get on the ice during training camp and see all the new players and just get things going. But before we do that, we have a very special guest joining us here on this edition of the Devil State of Mind podcast. A lot of you have actually requested her many a times, and this is a perfect time more than any to have her on and obviously talk about herself. And talk about the thing we all love talking about the most, and that is the New Jersey Devils. It is with great pleasure that we welcome on a Devils writer who covers the Devils for the hockey writers, Miss Christy Flannery. Christy, 
first and foremost, welcome to the Devil's State of Mind podcast. And second of all, how are you today, my friend? I'm great. Thank you for that lovely introduction. That was fantastic. It's <laughs> part of my job. I, I get that. I get that comment a lot. I get a lot of people that's that who come on as guests and say, "Wow, that's a really good intro." I try to hype up people as much as possible, even if they don't need it. I try my very best. But and here uh, I was thinking that I was special. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are certainly special because, again, like I said when we talked about it before we started today, that you were very much requested. Uh, to come on here. So I'm excited to have you on and I'm looking forward to getting to know more about you as well as also your takes on the Devils because like I just mentioned, we are just a couple of days away from the start of training camp. Uh, Wednesday, I believe, is actually the official date of training camp. So that's when the players are going to do their physicals and everything like that. And it's going to be exciting. So Let's kind of jump right into the questions, and we'll start with the first one, and it's a very simple one. What got you into wanting to be a journalist? Um, I knew I wanted to be a writer probably like in the first grade, and then it was kind of as I got older just figuring out what I wanted to do with it. I still want to write a book at some point. My goal is to be published by the time I'm 40, um, but in college, it was a no-brainer. I wanted a journalism degree. I knew it wasn't the money-making major, but at the same time, it was something that was really important to me. And when I started college, I was actually leaning more towards entertainment and like fashion and all that kind of stuff. And then I wow. slowly became really interested in hockey. And then it just clicked. And I said, I'm passionate about hockey. I'm passionate about writing. And I'm just going to merge the two together. And here we are. Sometimes it's just how it works. It's not, sometimes it's not always, you know, the first thing that comes to your mind when it comes to what you want to do. And sometimes life has a way of coming in, coming in and giving you uh, these opportunities. And that kind of leads me into my next question. What got you into hockey? Like, what was it about the sport that got you into watching it and following it and, and obviously now writing about it? It's such a boring story. I had a coworker that um, I used to work with and she posted on Facebook that she had an extra ticket to the Devils game. And it was a while since I've seen her. And I messaged her and said, hey, I'm sure you're trying to get some guy to go with you. But if you can't find anybody, I'll go with you. And the only thing I knew about the team at that time, I knew nothing about the sport because I'm not a sporty person. I never followed anything. Um, but I knew John Madden because my friend to this day, my friend used to babysit his children, Tyler and Reese. So I knew wow. John Madden was a player on the Devils. And I remember walking into Prudential Center, and that was the only thing I knew. It was the only player I could root for, and I became hooked. I literally watched one game, and I became hooked and obsessed. And that was literally it. To this day, I don't watch baseball. I don't watch football. I care less about basketball. It's just hockey, and that's it. You know, that's fair enough. And I think that that's – I wouldn't actually honestly consider that much of a boring story. It's more fascinating than anything else because you did have a devil's connection kind of like right away like that. And that's I think that's really great um, that you got into it. But what was it about the sport itself that you kind of like that and you watched and you said, oh, this is you know definitely something that I'm really, really interested in? I think it's fast-paced. It's physical. Um, I just love the speed of the game. I, I just was like that because there's so when you're there live and I think anyone who's seen a live game kind of gets it. Like when you're on TV, it's focused on the puck. But when you're there, you kind of see them you know, changing for different shifts. And there's so much happening away from the puck. But there's always like something that you can kind of marvel at and just focus your energy on. And it's just I literally can't explain it any more than that. It was just I saw it and it was just it, like a light bulb went off. And I said, this is my sport. This is my only sport. 
I love that because, you know, I, I, I always love to ask people about, you know, how they got into the sport and obviously also how they became Devils fans and watching the team. And there's always an interesting story behind it. There's always something that revolves around it. And you kind of nailed it on the head. A lot of people that I know that I've taken to games who know nothing about hockey, who have never been to a game before, the immediate reaction that they get is, wow, everything is so fast paced. Everything is up tempo. And especially now with the with the new generation of Devils fans and hockey fans, you know, coming into the forefront, you know, a lot of them want that immediate gratification. They want that speed. They want that excitement. And they get it from watching this sport, especially if you just happen to be getting into it during the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, I, you know, my, my I've had a couple friends who were watching games during the playoffs this past year, and they said, where have I not, how come I've never watched this sport before? And I'm like, this is this is what the sport is like. It's it's unbelievable what the sport can do to people, and uh, you know it all. It, it the, the sport of hockey has definitely benefited a lot of people, like yourself, like mm-hmm. myself, and uh, I, I think that's I think that's great. And um, you know, obviously, it's just super exciting. It just really is, and you know, it, it never it never gets old. I think you could probably agree with me on that. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like even the playoffs, like I just want a good game. You know, and I think I'm at a point now where I kind of root for players more than I do for like teams. Like there's just certain mm-hmm. guys I really want to see win a cup, whether it's like a Pavelski or, you know, whoever it might be. It's just, it's a great, it's just a great sport. It really is. It's just such a good time. I mean, I could be very biased, but I think it's the most exciting sport out there. And I think it's, it's one of the best it's it's the best playoffs that you'll see like during the year, like baseball, football. None of these none of these sports compare to seven game series where these guys are playing ice hockey, and it's just the thrill and excitement. It's absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah, you know that's that's really phenomenal. And I do have one very interesting question to ask you about. You know, what is it about? I guess you'd say this, what would be considered to be your style when it comes to writing about the sport and writing about the Devils as well? And this was something we kind of talked about off camera, but I really, really want my listeners to kind of get an idea because in my opinion, especially because I started writing uh, articles for Inside the Puck, shout out to the boys over there for giving Mm -hmm. me that opportunity. Um, You kind of get a different perspective of what you want to express to your viewers and people who want to check those out. So what be considered your style and just how you like to talk about set the sport and the devils to your viewers? I'm definitely a features writer. Um, I love telling stories. I love bringing in different perspectives. And I think the one thing I learned last year was my first year as a credentialed member of the media is these are all just human beings that are doing their job. Like some of us go to offices from nine to five. This is their job. And I think a lot of times you kind of forget that there's other things going on in these people's lives once they get, you know, put the uniform on and they go on the ice. And I really love the stories where you kind of humanize them because I think it's mm-hmm. really easy and it's really quick to sit down and say, oh, that guy's having a really bad day. Like we should trade him. And I'm like, but how many times have you had a bad day? And I understand mm-hmm. when you throw in the money aspect of it, it's like you're getting paid, you know, $63 million to play a game. It's like, yes, that is true. And you are expected to show up and do your job. But that's of anybody. Any everybody's getting paid and they're expected to show up at their job and deliver. And not and listen, you're gonna have an off day, you're gonna have a bad day, you're gonna make a mistake. That's just life. And I think for me, I love telling the stories where you kind of I can bring in that aspect of the yeah. player and kind of humanize them. And my goal for this season is to try and really connect fans with the players. 
Um, you know, now we have the locker room open. This is like a whole new opportunity because my first year, obviously, we had the podium. We didn't have locker mm -hmm. room access. So I'm excited to see what I can do and what I can really bring to fans. Um, but definitely a features writer. That's definitely my strength. And I think if you've read any of my stuff, it's, you can kind of see what I do, even when I talk about like takeaways from games, I like to bring people along and say, you know, this player was playing soccer and like the energy was really upbeat. Like I really love bringing my readers along for a journey in an event, even if you didn't actually go to the game in person, I would like to bring that to you. And that's really great because I feel like it gives your, it gives people an opportunity to kind of get a better understanding of where the players are coming from, what it's, what really the game's going on. And like you just mentioned, people not being able to, you know, be at the game, they get a better understanding of how the game went than just watching the highlights. Cause again, the highlights tell very little of the story of the game, in my opinion. I mean, there are, there are games where you can watch the highlights and you pretty much know exactly what happened. But what, what's great about you, Christy, because I've read many of your articles, is that you, you very much detail a lot of things which are very important and give people information that they may not be able to find in a lot of other avenues, which is great. I know I remember one in particular that you wrote when you interviewed former Devils PA announcer uh, Joe Tolentino. Shout out to you, Joe. Um, has, yeah, absolutely. He was on my podcast. He actually just got married this past week. So congratulations, <laughs> Joe. Wanted to uh, give him a special shout out mm -hmm. for that one. Um, but I remember reading your article because it, it came out and it was a feature story. And I was really interested because I was interested in potentially interviewing him for the Devils podcast. And he did eventually come on. And again, it was that it was that opportunity to really learn about Joe a lot more as a person and learn about the journey to getting to where he ultimately got, which was getting the chance to be the PA announcer for a professional hockey team. And that's, that's what I'm saying. I love, I'm a huge feature story fan myself. I feel like you get to really know the people a lot more and it's great that uh, you bring that dynamic to your writing and, and covering this team, which is really important in my opinion. Thank you. It's all about perspective, I think. I think everybody has a different perspective. You know, I talked to Cam Jansen, you know, a couple of weeks ago. He's another great guy. I love him. And like Let's he check was out his podcast, by the way. It's it's a great podcast. Yeah, I'm already fantastic. And I was talking to him about just kind of like how he like like, you know, when you go on the ice for the first your first shift, like I'm like, are you mm -hmm. trying to like you know, hit people? Like we're trying to bring the physicality. And he goes, You're trying to get the puck out of your zone. He goes, you have to watch a guy's play along the wall. And he goes, it's so, you know, it's so cliche when everyone's like, you know, you hear coaches and players talk about the little things, the little things. And he goes, watch how certain players use the puck and use the wall to their advantage and or disadvantage. And he goes that he goes, every guy is in a line in the lineup for a reason. And he goes, sometimes mm -hmm. it's missed, but he goes, it's the little things. And that's like, I can't wait to watch that this season because there's always a new vantage point to look at things. And even talking to Ken Danico and saying how, like, you know, there's such an adjustment when you come to a new team in a new city and you have to adjust. And I think people miss that, that, you know, mm. like for like Ryan Graves, who is now coming in New Jersey, trying to settle into like, you know, the chaos of living in the tri-state area, learning a new system. And I think those are a lot of things that people miss, but they can very well explain why someone is maybe taking a little bit longer to adjust to a system or taking a little bit longer to find their rhythm. And those are kind of things that I would like to point out because I think it goes along the lines of really humanizing them and making them realize that it's an adjustment on and off the ice. When yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that 
I always look at it like with sports and with life in general, you're always learning something new. And especially when yeah. you have more people that are covering certain things that you're interested in, you end up picking up things. I mean, I consider myself to be a massive hockey buff who knows so much about the sport and things like that. But I'm learning stuff. I'm learning new stuff every day and I'm learning about different types of culture. And now that I'm going to be covering the Metropolitan Riveters this year, um, yeah. I'm really, I'm really kind of curious to know what is it like for a professional women's hockey player to play in this league to, you know, when, you know, are they treated, you know, what ways are they treated comparatively to the NHL and how things are handled in general, very much looking forward to learning more about that once the season begins. So yeah, you know, again, the feature stories are really important because again, it's a different dynamic than what we normally get when people are writing, you know, scripts about how the game went and things like that and how you're take you're separating the player from what they do on the ice on a on a game to game basis to the person that they are and what they do. I remember when we all learned about Dougie Hamilton and how much he loves going to museums and how much, you know, he loves to do these like very, very quiet type things. And you kind of learn more about them. It's oh I always find that more interesting than always what they do to like get better on the ice and stuff like that. Cause it, it's a lot of it is the very similar answers I, I would imagine. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, like you have a microphone and a camera in your face, you're not going to say anything that's questionable or that's going to get you in trouble. And you have to, you would do the same thing, right? Like you right. would kind of keep things very short and things like that. And if anyone watches, you know, like the post game press conferences, a lot of it is the re recycled answer, or like the same mm -hmm. answer, like spoken in a different way. And I mean, listen, if I, Nobody, I, I understand from a human perspective, like if you have a bad day at work, the last thing you want to do is go ask, is go answer questions about like why it was a bad day. So I think, you know, it's part of the job. You have to do it. You have to report on those things. You have to ask those questions. But on the other side of it, for me personally, I just get a lot of joy out of really telling stories and just kind of giving a different perspective. Because I think you can have your opinion and that's, you know, that's great. But to have a different perspective and kind of be like, oh, I didn't look at it that way. I think that's a lot of fun. And it's not something that's really reported on, I guess, or broadcasted. No, and I get that. And there's all obviously there's different types of media out there that can, you know, turn that can say things in a certain way. And there's there's good and bad with writing. There's good and bad with, you know, even what I do in podcasting. Sometimes you you know, you don't necessarily see exactly how I'm reacting to certain things. And so it, it, it's great that we have so many people like your that bring different types of you know ways of us to learn about players and and things like that which is important so now let's shift to talking about the new jersey devils because you know like i said before and i'll keep saying it because i can't believe it that training camp is starting this week that the devils are going to be here i mean most of them are already here and we are going to see you know a bunch of the same guys but we're also going to see some new guys as well and my first question to you when we talk about the Devils going into training camp is when you look at the Devils offseason as a whole, and the Devils were certainly busy, one of the busier teams in the NHL this past offseason, what is the first word that comes to mind when you want to sum up the offseason as a whole and why? I think it's improvement because on paper, this team has improved. And listen, we didn't get Johnny Goudreau. We didn't get Matthew Tuchuk. Like, we all know this. But at the same time, you can't dismiss what Fitzgerald has done. And I'm a really big person. Like, I agree with Herb Brooks. Like, you don't necessarily need the best players. You need the right players. And right. for me, when I looked at this team last year, one of the biggest things for me is I said the team needs depth. Because we saw mm. what happens when Jack Hughes and Nico Keisha were injured. Like, the bottom six really couldn't hold it together. And it's really no fault of any. It's just it couldn't. they couldn't do it. 
So right. for me, like Eric Halla, I think is a really great move. I know some people were kind of like eh about it, but I really like what he can do with the bottom six. I think a lot of people forgot about Miles Wood. I think Miles mm. Wood is a very crucial member of this team. And what we saw last year was nobody really could replicate his style and what he brings to the team. So I'm really happy. I think there's more balance in the forward group this like coming up. I think we're going to see more balance instead of kind of like we have these really great few players and then the bottom's just kind of like, you know, we don't really know what's going on or it just keeps rotating in and out. So I think the team has improved. The defense has definitely improved. Um, the goaltending, fingers crossed, hopefully improved. I <laughs> mean, wood, something. I've not retired yet. So we seem to be in a good in a, in a good place right now. But yeah, I think improvement would be my word. You know, and it was it was funny how you were talking about you know creating depth. I was going to say if there was any position that needed depth, it was goaltending. Considering the fact you know seven different goaltenders is not going to obviously get it done when it comes to this team trying to make mm-hmm. the playoffs. And I do want to mention, and I shared it um, via the Athletic. Pierre LeBron wrote it, and he talked about the fact that the Devils were very much in the Johnny Gaudreau sweepstakes start mm-hmm. of the first day of training camp. Uh, excuse me of. Uh, the free agency period. And then they really, really did make a push several times um, to acquire Matthew Kachuk. And I, I've mentioned this before to my listeners and I try to really, really nail it, nail it down that not every move the devils try to make, even if they don't make it, doesn't get put into the limelight. Like there might be things that Fitzgerald tried to do that we will never know about that. We have, we have no idea that he was doing. So it's, that's the thing. You know, that's very true. I mean, we've had media availabilities where we've asked about certain players or, you know, certain things. And he's like, you know, I don't really want to discuss that. And there are things that are happening behind the scenes that we might never know about. You know, we don't know if maybe we got a call on Damon Severson at the trade deadline. Like you have no, there's certain things you're just not going to know. And it's, I, I get it at the same time. Like, you know, you don't want to, you know, aggravate another GM or anything like that. So like, I understand why he's doing what he's doing, but you're hundred percent right. There are certain things that as fans and even as media that we just might not never know. Exactly. And so I think it, at the end of the day, you know, the moves that we, we, we see them make, you know, we obviously know about. And, you know, sometimes like we just got with Pierre Lebrun's latest article, just talking about the fact that the Devils were in. So again, I think that brings a little bit of peace to Devils, knowing that we still tried to take a, you know, swing for the fences and really try to get an impactful player. Um, but as Pierre Lebrun did mention in the, at the end of his article, the Devils will have a pretty decent amount of cap space the next, you know, following in 2023 to potentially go out and get another, you know, very impactful player. Who that impactful player although everybody knows at this point who I'm counting on. Uh, uh, his name's David Pasternak. But anyway, uh, it's more of just, you know, you, you you look at it and you say, okay, you know, that they were trying. And they're trying to make moves that, that are best for this team. And again, I think improvement, you know, you're talking about really, really nailed on the head. Because at the end of the day, that's what Fitzgerald wanted to do. He wants, he wants to improve the team. And he also wants to create a lot of competition, which I love. I love that this team, he wants the identity of everybody's competing from top to bottom, veterans to rookies to everybody. And that's where people were talking about, well, now we don't have enough room to fit certain players. You know, is Alexander Holtz going to actually make the top six? You know, look, you know, who are we going to move down? And I think that's a good problem to have, at least the way I look at it, that we have a bunch of guys that can fit in that want to compete, want to be in the NHL. And that only makes the team as a whole better. So that's the way that I look at it. Yeah. I I mean, I agree. I mean, I did a a mini series about like just training camp battles of each position just because there's so many. I just saw the one about uh, defensemen, I think 
Yeah, and like even with the defense, like you kind of assume that it's pretty much set between you know our big four, and then you have Marino and Smith, but you do have like Ball and you know Nikita and Riley Walsh that can make a push, that can give them you know you have Thomas Hickey coming in on PTO that you know is going to want to continue his career, but like even at wing, there's a lot of players like you know you look at it right now and it seems like Andreas Janssen could be the odd man out. We don't know what he's going to you know come into training camp like. You have Tatar, you have Zetterlin. Like there's so many players that are vying for these spots and healthy competition is really good because there are a lot of guys that can kind of go into that bottom six and you don't really know like you have Jesper Boquist like is he going to make the team because we can all pretty much understand that yeah. when he was in training camp last year really Dawson Mercer took his spot because Dawson Mercer started as a third line center. Mm-hmm. So you really don't know if there's going to be that surprise or that dark horse that could really challenge a veteran. Because obviously when you sign like a Thomas Tatar and Andreas Janssen, you're not expecting them to be moved into the AHL. You're expecting right. them to be in, at the NHL, but there are a lot of AHL, you know, ready kids that made an impact at the end of last season. And I think it took the Devils organization a little bit by surprise with how quickly, especially you look at the way Utica had its first year back being the Devils affiliate. They just came out and they started the year 13 wins in a row, just going off and really guys stepping up. And yeah. it was really, really a sight to see. And it just shows the improvement. Um, NHL prospect pool just put out their top 10 prospect uh, teams with the top 10 prospect list. Devils are at number five going into the season, which doesn't really surprise us. So that again shows the positivity. So my next question to you, Christy, is what is the biggest thing out of all the different stories that are out there about, you know, the devil's going in training camp? What is the biggest thing you're looking for at training camp this season? Um, I think the biggest story is obviously Alexander Holt to see, you know, what he can do. If he's going to make the team, if he does make the team, is he going to be in a top six role? Um, For me personally, I just kind of like to look at everybody as a whole and just see like, who wants it? You know, like at that point, mm-hmm. there is so much competition. And guess what? Like certain spots aren't guaranteed. So right. like we saw with Jesper Boquist last year. So like for me, it's like that drive. It's that like who wants it? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I want to say. You know, who's going to come in and just kind of expect to make it? Like I want to see – they talked so much at the end of last year's media availability about how they were not happy and they have to kind of get it together. And they like right. every individual player needs to kind of re – discover themselves and kind of get that next level. So you want to see them come in with that. Like this is the time where they have been off the ice for so long. They haven't been together that you really want to see that immediate, like things are different. Like there's an air about this team where like we want to compete and listen, the Metro is really hard. And even if they don't make the playoffs, it might not be a dig at how they perform. It's just the Metro is just insanely talented. Thank God that Kadri didn't go to the Islanders. I mean, thank you. But we, you know, you want to see them be competitive. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, it can't be fun to be in a locker room and lose like eight to four. That cannot be fun for them. So you want to see that excitement right off the bat. You want to see them kind of come together in the next couple of weeks and really showcase what they can do individually and as a team. Because I think a lot of people miss that individually, a lot of players came off career seasons last year. A lot of players came off, had like the best offensive numbers of their career last season under Lindy Ruff. It's just as a whole, they couldn't really keep it together. Right. Um, I'm actually, not to plug my own stuff, but I actually have an article coming out this Go coming week that's going to be three issues that the Devils like kind of need to address if they want to make the postseason or at least make a push for it. And mm-hmm. one of the big things is they gave up so many points last year because they couldn't hold on to a lead. Mm. 
There were so many points that were left on the table that if they actually were able to close out these games, they could have been a really good chance to fight for a playoff spot. And I think that's where we're going to see the importance of Palat, Paula Smith, like to have that veteran voice to calm them down in the locker room and on the bench. Like, I think that's going to be huge. And I'm excited to see kind of how the veterans are going to handle this team. There's a reason why I consistently call the Metropolitan Division the Division of Death because of just the amount of really good teams that are in this division and how difficult it is to get even into the top three. And Mm -hmm. I think that, like you just nailed on the head, that the Devils could still have a really, really good season and it might just not be enough because of how deep this division really is and how tough it is. And I love that you were talking about how a lot of guys had individually great seasons. You know, last year, Nico Heischer, best season of his career since 17-18, his rookie year. Jesper Bratt, Jack Hughes, prior to him getting injured, was, you know, basically on a 90-plus point game pace. I mean, he was playing phenomenal. And I constantly said that, look, Lindy Ruff, you know, he's brought here for the main part. The main reason is to develop the core of the team, to identify it, develop it and go from there. The team itself as a whole is still not fully there yet. And it's because of differing circumstances, goaltending, guys getting hurt. You were talking about lack of depth. I mean, veteran guys in the locker room who have been there, who know what it takes to get through those difficult times when they're losing two or three games in a row or get blown out. How do you recover for the next game? There's all these little things that I think sometimes we don't think about enough that could be really beneficial for this team. So I'm, I'm glad that it's kind of like looking into, you know, that type of um, situation. So this kind of leads me into my next question because I saw this article that you wrote and I was fascinated by it. I was so fascinated by it because a friend of mine actually made a video about the same thing. And I would highly recommend you go read this article. Uh, you can, again, go to hockey writers, type in Christy Flannery, and you will find all of her articles that are there. Uh, it's, can you talk to us about your article you posted about the devils being right on the same track to becoming the next Colorado avalanche, the defending Stanley cup champions? I got so much hate about this. And I think people just saw the title and just made assumptions. I, the re- the reason this article came about is because when I was watching Colorado win the Stanley Cup, they asked the GM about where the team was at and how they were. And five years ago, they were the worst team in the league, had a horrible record. And he goes, we had our superstars. Like our superstars were in place. He goes, they were developing. And he goes, it was my job to build around them. And my argument is that for the first time in a really long time, I think Devil fans can look at the team and say, we have a core. We have Jack Hughes. We have Nico Heischer. And you know what? I'm going to throw Siegenthaler into that core too. Now that he's locked up for a couple of years, he proves yes. himself. Like we have a core in place. And I think mm-hmm. it's up to Gerald to build around them. And I think people saw the title and I saw one comment. I laughed and it was like, oh yeah, the Devils are going to win the Stanley Cup this year. I said, nobody said that. At one point in my article, I said, the Devils are kind of where Colorado was at in like 2016, 2017. We have these young stars they're developing and we have to build around them. And I was very honest right now. We have a lot of contracts that are they're either going to be UFAs or RFAs at the end of this year. And most of them are the team's bottom six. It includes, I believe, Tatar, Janssen, McLeod, Bastion. I think Boquist is in that mix as well. Mm-hmm. So I said, I can't comment about the depth aspect of it because our depth can look completely different. Right. Next year can look mm-hmm. completely different. But I said, we have a core of superstars with Nico, he- with Nico Heischer, with Jack Hughes. 
And I said, they are on the right track. And Fitzgerald has made it a point to say he's not looking to build success that's not going to be consistent, consistently competitive. He's like, I am building towards long-term competition. And he knows that takes a long time. We know that takes a long time. And I understand it's stressful for Devils fans to be like, oh my God, we've been waiting so long. We've been in this rebuild for so long. But at the same time, you can see the pieces are in place. We have our second overall, you know, defenseman. We have Luke Hughes, who we picked fourth overall. Like we have this young team of talent that mm -hmm. is being developed. We now have the veteran voices that are really mm -hmm. needed in those moments when the team, you know, blows a two-goal lead, they're going into the third period and it's tied and they're all kind of like, you know, afraid to, you know, afraid to like lose the game. Right. All I'm saying is they're on that track. I'm not saying that they're going to be Stanley Cup champions in the next two years. I'm not right. saying that in three years, but they are finally on a track of success. We have our superstars locked up long-term. Now it's just a matter of building the pieces around them to really solidify the team. And I think you nailed it on the head. And yeah, I could, I totally can get where people would immediately fly off the handle from just reading the title of the article. And this is where I tell people, you need to read these articles before you jump to conclusions. I know on Twitter now, they have the thing where if you read to, if you want to retweet an article, it says, do you want to read this first before, you know, you share it? And I think it's, and, and that's kind of like the way I look at it. Like, did you read this? Like I've written articles and people will react. I'm like, did you read anything I said? before you reacted to this article because if you did okay great i'll give you i'll give you that but if you're reacting just because of the title it doesn't tell the whole story and there's so many different things that the devils have done similarly that you know the avalanche did starting five years ago to building to this point yeah and even like ryan graves has made comments like he says like you know the devils are where colorado was and if anyone should know you would think it would be ryan graves like he's made right. comparisons about jack hughes to nathan mckinnon and nico to gabriel landeskog and if you want to say dawson mercer has potential to develop into a versatile like nico rantanen like those there are things there i mean do we have a kale mccarr no but same yeah. time we don't know what our youngsters are going to develop into maybe the two of them together could bring success like that. I mean, Kale McCars don't grow on trees. Like, let's be honest with each other. But uh, I yep. think that I don't think the Devils are as far away as people think they are. Mm -hmm. And I saw one comment and I laughed, and it was like, "Oh, like this one must be written by a Devil fan." And I'm like, "No, it's just factual. Right? Like, it's, it's like, yeah, it's my opinion, but it's also based on some things that are factual. Like, even if you look at like how many points Jack Hughes had at a certain age to like where Nathan McKinnon was at that age, like it's very similar." So, you know, you can take, you can disagree with it. That's fine. Like, I don't mind when people disagree with me, but I think, I think people aren't like ready to kind of see the team turn that corner. Yeah. And I think the team is ready to turn the corner. And I developing into something. Yeah. And I, and I completely agree. And I think that, you know, a lot of us obviously are frustrated with the last several years of not only not but you know being very honest not really coming close i mean you start off last year you're seven three and two in the middle of november and you finish towards the bottom of the nhl to the point where you get the second overall pick in this past summer's draft and you know you get to the point where you don't care anymore about the draft picks you're like when are we going to start actually winning when are you know i've heard people say oh we got to tank another year to get Connor bedard well why would we do that if we already have our core set up 
Like it's, mm-hmm. we have to start actually winning because at some point it has to start clicking. And, you know, I, nobody's going to go into the season thinking we're going to make the playoffs easily and we're going to cakewalk. A lot of us say if we're making the playoffs, it's going to be like the seventh, eighth seed and we just get in. Like even in 17, 18, we made the playoffs on the second to last day of the season as the eighth seed going into it. So it wasn't like, you know, we were destined to make the playoffs that year. And that's kind of the same thing here. And I know that. Nico Heischer had spoken to NHL.com during his European tour and spoke about how he feels this Devils team can surprise people. And that's probably be the case. And I also like how you mentioned that, you know, somebody could say, oh, well, this was written, this must be written by a Devils fan. Well, there are other people in the writing business and in the media that are not, nothing to do with the Devils, not associated at all, that are saying literally the same things that we are saying. So it's not like that one person is just saying it and that's, you know, that, you know, that's that it's multiple people saying, look, the devils clearly have so much here that they are ready to explode. And at some point it's going to start, you know, clicking and then you're going to start seeing those results. Yeah. And like, I'm very objective when I write, I mean, even like, I mean, if you have a bad game, you have a bad game. There's no way right. to like spin it, you know, it is what it is. Right. But I think for people, it's it's like an organization where like you kind of like love to hate it a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they're not great. They're not this. And, you know, there's a changing of the guards that always happens in NHL. You have the teams that have the dynasty, like Chicago. Chicago was mm-hmm. on the top for a really long time. And now you go into the rebuild. Like, you know, it's always a cycle in sports. Like, mm-hmm. the Devils are going to come out of it. You know, the Devils, Buffalo, Ottawa. Like, these are all young teams that are good. You know, the Rangers last season, like, they're going to come around. Like, eventually, the Caps, the Penguins are going to have to go through their own kind of a rebuild. Whether it's a quick rebuild or not is, you know, to be, uh, you know, to be seen. But the cycle happens. You know, the Devils are, you know, these are all kids that are not even close to their prime yet. So, like, you know that, you know, good things are ahead at some point. The cycle's always going to, it's always going to (laughs) spin. Yeah, and it's just a matter of just, you know, continuing to try to be, patient and to just let this team do what it needs to do and look this season hasn't even started yet we have no idea what we are in for that we have the faintest idea and we will know once the season ends however it ends is we'll tell all the story that we need and we will have people like christy telling us these stories along the way so christy before i let you go and again thank you so much for coming on today this has been phenomenal what is the biggest piece or pieces of advice you would give to young people who have a dream of covering slash writing whatever for sports in general don't give up i worked in law for 10 years before i got my credential and became a member of the media and for a long time, this was just like a passion project. Like I would work my nine to five to, you know, pay the bills. And then I'd come home at night and I would write and do all these things and just don't give up. You're never, Vera Wang did not design her first wedding dress until she was 40. There's no such thing as, you know, you're too late to do these things. I am 33 years old, I believe, 33, 34, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Um, so I'm, you know, I took a very unconventional path to get here and, if I could do it, you could do it. Just don't give up and just keep focusing on what you want out of life. I absolutely love that. And I think it's important for, for young people to, to remind themselves of that all the time that, you know, if you continue to work hard, if you continue to be passionate about something and push for it, eventually it's going to pay off. It's going to pay off. I would not be here doing devil state of mind or anything that I do right now without, you know, the belief in myself and obviously never giving up. So myself and Christy and many others are very prime examples of what happens when you don't give up and you continue to work. 
Christy, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I'm so happy that you had the time to come on and speak with us. But before I go, because I do this with all of my guests, I like to red carpet, as they say, and give the floor to you to promote anything you got going on that you're coming up with or writing. And also let the lovely people at home know where they can find you and interact with you. So Christy, the floor is yours. Well, first, I just want to thank anyone who actually reads my articles and interacts with me on Twitter. Like, thank you so much. The fans have been fans have been so nice to me, and I really appreciate it. I love talking and interacting and all that. It's like it's you know, with social media, there's such a fun way to interact and kind of get to know people. And I really like to use that to my advantage and really meet people. I met a couple fans, you know, throughout the season last year at Prudential Center, and they were all wonderful. Mm. Um, as far as my articles, you can find me on the Hockey Writers. You could just search my name and all my. All my stuff is there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Insolettos underscore NHL. I never know what it is until like, like someone puts me on the spot. Like, what's your Twitter handle? And I have no idea. Um, but I'm usually very active on there. Love talking to people. I share all my stuff on there. I'm on Instagram, skating in stilettos. And I dabble in TikTok. I'm trying mm. to get more comfortable with being on camera. It's a little, it's a little questionable at the moment. But I'm trying mm-hmm. to get better just kind of. It's like a new avenue. It's just something else, something fun, something different. Sports is supposed to be fun. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You you nailed that on the head. And, uh, you know, somebody who spends every waking day trying to be on camera like I am right now, um, it does take time. But the more you do it, the easier it gets and the more fun it gets, too, especially when people start to, you know, really, really take a liking to it and things start to go. But, Christy, thank you so much for coming on today. This was an absolute pleasure. And we will definitely, definitely, definitely have you on again on this podcast in the near future. But thank you so much. They very much appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Ladies and gentlemen, I got a story to tell you. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of One Republic, Coldplay, Imagine Dragons, and several other of my favorite, absolutely favorite music bands. And one reason it's been great to listen to is because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge. Trust me, I have used a lot of different earphones and things like that over the years, and these are the best. No matter where I move my head, or how you know vigorous it might be, they do not budge. Raycon also gives you eight hours of playtime and 32-hour battery life. It's phenomenal. Ray- Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's just such an unbelievable thing that Raycon offers you. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. And there are several different additional awesome features that Raycon has to offer. First and foremost, they have earbud tap functions, making it very easy for you to change volume, to change the song, to shuffle, so many different opportunities. Noise isolation. We know how much a lot of us crave the noise isolation and trying to really focus on what we're listening to. They give you that. And awareness mode helps you understand, well, really, it really does a good job, a phenomenal job, actually, of being aware of where you are, what situation you're in, to turn the volume up or down, depending on where you are. I mean, all of these features are phenomenal at such an affordable price. It is great. I would highly recommend you getting some. And if you are interested, here's what you do. 
Go to buyraycon.com today and use one of our promo codes, THPN15, TBPN15, or TPPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's codes THPN15, TBPN15, or TPPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off your purchase. Buyraycon.com, code THPN15, TBPN15, or TPPN15. Once again, thank you to Raycon, and this is an offer you don't want to miss out on. 